and welcome to Business Disability Forum's podcast. I'm Diane Lightfoot and I'm Chief Executive of Business Disability Forum. I am delighted to welcome David Oldfield, Group Director of Commercial Banking at Lloyd's Banking Group, one of our longest standing partners and friends, as my guest today. Hello, David, and thank you for joining me. Oh, hi, Dan. Thanks for having me. Pleasure to be here today. I have very fond memories of first meeting you, David. Um, it was before I'd even started in post, about three and a half years ago, and you and Lloyd's very kindly hosted our annual President's Group dinner, and I was lucky enough to be sat next to you on the top table um, at the point where our President, Sir Ian Cheshire, said, I've got to leave early. Do you mind doing the um, Do you mind doing the closing speech? And I remember you were very good on the moral support, so it's, it's very nice to have oh, you here. Oh, and you did it. I do remember that, and you did it. <laughs> You did a great job. It was uh, you were brilliant, given you only had thirty seconds warning. I did, yes, thank you. But moral support was great. Mm. So I know Lloyd's Banking Group is a really long-standing friend and partner of BDF. So to kick us off, could you tell our listeners a bit about your role at Lloyd's Banking Group, um, the day job, if you will, and also your role as executive champion? Yeah, of course, Diane. So, uh, so I run the commercial bank for Lloyd's Banking Group, chief executive of commercial banking, in effect. So the day job is looking after all sorts of fantastic business customers from small business enterprises through to uh, some of the largest household names uh, across the world. So we look after all of their day-to-day banking needs and, uh, and capital markets, financial markets, so on. But I've been in the group for 30, actually 30 uh, six years this year, so I'm a bit of a veteran of, of this place, and I've done lots of different jobs around the organisation over that time. And I'd say one of the most important things I do is is being executive sponsor for disability. That's that's a real privilege. I took over that role from Mark Fisher, who some of the listeners might remember way back in about 2013, uh, and it's terrific. And, and what does that involve? It's really being the voice in the boardroom for all our colleagues and customers with any form of kind of uh, disability or particular need or requirement. Uh, and our role, and, and with Holly Pierce and the, and the team, is to make sure that we're making all the changes they need so they can be the best that they can be in terms of working with us or in relation to customers, making sure that we're a, a very kind of disability-friendly organisation, whatever that is, whether it's, it's physical or mental, uh, visible or not. It's about uh, it's about being as accommodating and as helpful as we can be. So it's a really important important part of the job, Diane. I didn't know you'd been a champion for seven years. That's fantastic. It's something we see across our work that the importance of a senior champion at that board level is so crucial in, in driving really meaningful change and making a difference. So yeah. that's great that you've been doing it so consistently and so long. I know, and it's really clear from from how you how you talk about it that this is a subject that's really important to you personally, and that you are very uh, very much involved in the disability and mental health space beyond your champion role at Lloyd's. So, could you tell us a bit about that? Of, of course, and it, and this is really important to me. I'm really passionate. Uh, and it and it really is for me, as I said just now, it's about giving everyone the environment and the support that they need to be the best that they can be, whatever that whatever that means. And it's about being an inclusive and a diverse organisation. Uh, and I've I've been lucky enough to do a bunch of things personally as well outside of the group. So I sat as a non-executive director on the board of Motability Operations PLC for about five years or so. And they're such a wonderful organisation in terms of 
of meeting the mobility needs of so many people, about 600,000 uh, car, car uh, users uh, are within the mobility scheme. So I learned an awful lot in terms of working with mobility. And then about a year ago, I took over the chair of the wellbeing leadership team for business in the community. And that's terrific too. So as a, a leadership group, we sit there with some of the largest household names in the UK. Uh, so Costains, the Royal Mail Group, Booper, Procter & Gamble. And we sit there and just scratch our heads together in terms of what we can do as a collective in terms of of, of improving health and well-being generally, making it truly a, a strategic boardroom issue. And we did some, I think, very good work last year working with uh, Ian Cheshire and the Thriving at Work leadership team. We launched together uh, a mental health at work commitment, which I think is, is great. It's a very simple framework, but it's all about creating something that any organisation can pick up and follow to make sure that we're all doing everything we can do to support the health and well-being of all of our folks. So uh, I'd encourage anyone listening, if you would, go in and have a look, Google the mental health at work commitment, see what you think. Uh, in my mind, it's a, it's a good and simple framework, but it's only going to work, of course, if we all embrace it and bring it to life every day. I think you're right about a strategic priority on mental health and well-being and particularly at the moment and these these strange times we are all living through and that mental health at work commitment is now I guess for lots of people still a mental health working at home commitment. Thinking about Lloyd's as a business how have you adapted in response to the COVID-19 pandemic to ensure that colleagues with a disability or long-term condition, indeed mental health condition, feel supported? I think, well, you said it yourself, Diane, we, you know, we live in unprecedented times, don't we? So COVID has been a, a huge challenge to the, to the world, to the country and to every organisation, big or small, and, and Lloyd's is no different. I'm enormously proud, actually, of how well our colleagues have responded to it and the strength and resilience that they've shown in terms of looking after our customers, be they personal customers or or corporate customers. I think over the last four months or so, really since March when all this started, they've done just an incredible job in terms of being there to to help our, our customers and our, and our clients. And at the same time, of course, our colleagues themselves are living in uncertain times. They're worried about their own health. They're worried about friends and family. They may have their own caring responsibilities. They may be shielding themselves. So. The first thing we did, you know, way back when was to say to colleagues, we guarantee we will continue to pay you 100% of your contractual pay. No one will be furloughed. And whether you can work or not because of your health or your other responsibilities, we, we will continue to pay you. So that was an important part of, of certainty for colleagues. Uh, and at the same time, we put on hold any organisational restructures that we were partway through doing or thinking about doing to, again, give colleagues certainty that nothing was going to change in the time they were working from home. And actually we have in the a space of a few short weeks at the start of COVID, we went from about 10,000 people working from home to over 45,000, now almost 50,000 people working from home. So it was a, it was a huge organisational shift. And actually in doing that, whilst, whilst it made the organisation very flexible in terms of its ability to support our our customers and just carry on. We recognise at the same time, working from home is quite a tough gig for some people. They can have circumstances that really make it quite difficult. We know some colleagues working from home find it a very isolating experience. They find it quite lonely. They find it quite difficult. And of course, some people have got personal circumstances that that just make it, you know, even more difficult. So 
we've gone out our way to try and encourage colleagues to talk to us during this time of, of working remotely. We've built some tools on our health and wellbeing site to say, just stay in touch. There are hints and tips in there in terms of, of how they might think about their own wellbeing in, in challenging times. But the last thing we want is colleagues to feel unsupported when they're working so hard themselves to look after all of our customers. So I think it continues to be a journey for us. I'm not suggesting we've got it cracked by any means, but I think we've thought quite hard about how we can support as many colleagues as we can in these unprecedented times. I think that reassurance piece, I'm just really struck. The word I I'm, I'm keep thinking about is just kind, the kindness of that and the humanity of that. And one of the things that we're seeing quite a lot, and I really hope will be a positive legacy of this is that sort of more human approach to leadership and seeing inside each other's houses and that sort of more whole person and kindness it's um some of those some of those things are actually quite moving and i think also your point around the working from home piece that it's very easy to think of that as being a perk but we think of it as a perk probably from a position of privilege and having the right setup and having the kit and having the flexibility and yeah. not having to compete for Wi-Fi or being isolated or homeschooling the kids or all yeah. those sorts of things. And actually that well-being support and, and seeing seeing people in the round, I think, is, is a yeah. really positive thing. I, I agree with that. And of course, there's a range, isn't there? We've got people we know who were just challenged in terms of the work environment. They're kind of working in the downstairs loo because it's the only place they can go to to get some peace and quiet to make a call. But equally, at the other end of the spectrum, we know, we know we've got some colleagues who are at risk of domestic abuse. And that's a, that's yeah. a major, major issue. So again, we've, yeah. we've created a safe space for colleagues if they call in and say they're worried about their own domestic safety, they're able to just book a hotel. Uh, off their own back at our expense to take them out, take themselves off to somewhere safe. So I think COVID and working from home has has thrown up a whole load of new issues that we've had to think about in a very different way. And it's it's brilliant that you're providing that support as an employer. I mean, it's clear that your your commitment, deep and meaningful commitment to your workforce, is is absolutely at the heart of what you do. Thinking about customers, uh, so you, you've done a lot around supporting customers with disabilities or long-term health conditions. How have you been supporting them during during the pandemic and also more generally? Yeah, so again, this, this is a continuous journey for us. I think we have done our best to do quite a lot, but there's always more we can do and we continue to challenge ourselves and, and learn from others. We're always trying to improve. We have put in place a number of initiatives. We put in place uh, repayment holidays, be they on mortgages or credit cards, personal loans. We did that for personal customers, something similar on the business side. So, so in terms of kind of financial well-being, that was our first port of call almost. But then beyond that, for all of our customers, we've put an awful lot on the website in terms of support tools. Uh, that includes on our homepage the ability to use BSL or to use Signly for for deaf customers, for example, were signposting how to get in touch with Mental Health UK, our, our charity partner, or indeed Macmillan. Uh, we've changed our search functions, so it's an ask me anything. So again, anything that's relevant to our customers, we want to be able to try and help them with. Uh, in our branches, we've still got about 1,800 branches up and down the country. We've worked a lot with all of our colleagues to try and help them understand how our social distancing measures are important and now increasingly customers of course having to wear face masks coming into our branches that in itself presents some 
challenges. So for, for a customer, a deaf customer meeting people with a face mask, it, it's incredibly difficult. So we've empowered local branch teams to make their own decisions in terms of whilst they're following government guidance, do the right thing to help the customer if it's clear they, they need more help. Um, we're also trying to be very flexible in terms of recognising we've got some customers who we're having to shield. So we're allowing them to appoint a trusted person who may act on their behalf by going into a branch. Uh, that's important. And then finally, really, we've we've tried to be targeted, recognising not all of our customers do go into a branch or can go into a branch. We've tried to use targeting outreach programmes, so whether that's mail, whether that's telephone, just to try and get in touch with customers who we know from our information may need more help than others. And again, we use Mental Health UK as our, our charity partners, really to make sure we've got all the tools we need to support particularly the mental health side of things, which in COVID is is incredibly important. And, and sometimes that's about, it's about practical help. It's about how can we help our customers do things like organise online food shopping, and that can be digital skills education, or how can we help them book a doctor's appointment online? And there are great examples of where some of our branch staff have gone out their way to visit customers at home and take around food or to help them arrange contact with family or whatever it might be so everyone I think is is doing their very best in these quite tricky circumstances. Yes absolutely and I should at this moment have a, a little plug for our COVID-19 um, toolkit that's free to everyone and is on mm. our website because it does include considerations for working with customers and if someone isn't wearing a mask actually rather than saying why aren't you wearing a mask to think Maybe there's a good reason. Maybe yeah. they're exempt and all those sorts of things. Going back to Lloyd's Banking Group, you have been a trailblazer around this space for a very long time. Your work around adjustments for disabled employees still sets the standard and still gets talked about, about being a, a real game changer. And you summed it up beautifully in the conversation when you said it's about enabling people to be the best, best they can be. So you, you've done tons in this space and you've been a partner of BDF for a very long time. Could you could you say what are some of the standout moments for you as a business on your disability smart journey? Firstly, thank you to, to you and BDF. You've been a terrific part of our success. We've only been able to get to where we've got to with great support and challenge from you. So thank you. We've been at this a while. So I think there's a level of maturity now in the way we thought about it. But I'm the first to say we've still got some ways to go. We have to continue to improve. Uh, we did start out, as was called at the time, the Group Disability Programme about uh, seven years or so ago now. We've now got a full time of seven, uh, a full team of seven full time people thinking about this all of the time for both colleagues and customers. So we have got the, the privilege of having the resource to be able to invest in improving customer and colleague journeys. Uh, working with BDF, we were we were uh, privileged to receive our first Gold Standard Award way back in 2014, and that was your constructive feedback and your challenge and your ability to bring other best practice to the table that we found enormously helpful. And of course, retaining that in 2018 was was terrific for us too. Workplace adjustments is where we started, and we had a number of years trying to get better at those, and I I think they're much better than they were but we can't stand still we have to continue to improve when someone needs an adjustment we want to be able to do it in days not weeks so that continues to be something we focus very hard on uh, we talk a lot to customers we talk a lot to colleagues i personally 
uh, hold focus groups regularly through the year and they're typically it's three questions which is tell me what what we do that helps tell me what we do that gets in the way and tell me what others do that i can copy and that's it and you can spend a a happy couple of hours on those three questions both with colleagues and customers just to help ourselves learn and make changes and i i'd say i've learned an awful lot over the years that i ha it had never occurred to me was a problem things we did where a person will say to you that's nuts why didn't you change it and we have we've been able to respond very quickly to to some of that feedback so i think this for all of us is a is a continual learning journey yes our program is relatively mature we've achieved some of the goals that we set ourselves we've closed the engagement gap which was an important priority within some of our disabled colleagues versus the population as a whole but we're not complacent we recognize we're you know we're getting there but have got much more to do and having asked you effectively that this is your life question and looking back mm -hmm. looking forwards what are the key themes and priorities you'll be focusing on over the next 12 months around disability both for employees and customers yeah so so we're not standing still at one, at one level the strategy remains the same it's still focusing very hard on driving the activity that supports customers and and colleagues so the kind of fundamental uh, priority hasn't changed. That said, if you think about the circumstances we've lived in for the last four or five months, COVID is giving us a bunch of new challenges, but at the same time, new opportunities. So we need to kind of reflect and, and learn on our experiences together over the last few months, listen again to feedback from colleagues and customers, and that will continue to shape our priorities. There's a, there's a few things from a customer perspective that are very much front of mind, particularly in the light of COVID, financial wellbeing, is the first thing, particularly the intersection of that with mental health and well-being. So we've got plenty of activity planned in that place. We're just doing some work with uh, the, the Money Mental Health Policy Institute with the first bank to be piloting their accessibility standards. That's underway just now. So that's important to us. And, and then really thinking through the treatment strategies for all of our customers to make it easier for them to tell us what they need. Uh, and sometimes that's the human being to human being conversation. Not all of this can be done through systems. And then on the on the colleague front, uh, we're all thinking about working arrangements, aren't we? we? Many of us have found a new way of working over the last few months. So as we think about some people working from home flexibly going forward, some people coming back to the office, a mix and match of those two things, we're not we can't afford to lose sight of any colleagues who have got particular needs within that mix so whether they're physical needs or or non-physical needs we need to make sure we embed their requirements in the design of our new ways of working and not try and play catch up afterwards so embed it into in design and that can be it making sure that we've got all of the accessibility standards properly embedded when you're working from home it is even more important in many ways in terms of people making sure they can still stay in touch and and do the day job and we haven't always been as good at designing things up front uh, and we've kind of kind of sometimes caught it afterwards and we need to get better at doing that and then the final one for me is recognizing that covid is as much a mental health crisis as a as a physical health crisis thinking about uh, supporting our colleagues and customers in terms of well-being so we're now training two and a half thousand mental health advocates around the organization really to be in our buildings all of the time and to be there for for colleagues to chat to when they're having a bad day or when there's a particular issue 
where they don't feel able to go to their line manager in the normal course of events, having the outlet of a, of a trained and available mental health advocate, we think is really important. So that's a, a big priority for us, uh, as, as well as continuing to do our best for our customers. We need to be there for them every step of the way in the recovery period, as we have tried to be during the, the heat of the crisis itself. Plenty to do. I like the sound of the recovery period. I think, I think quote of the day is COVID is giving us a bunch of new challenges. <laughs> I like that. I think it's beautiful. It's beautiful. But but there are opportunities. You're right. And for people, some businesses who who previously said, well, well, we we don't like people working from home. We like them to be in the office where we can see them. Yeah. And didn't have, and that whole sort of trust issue. They have now had it proved to them that it can work and it does work. And if we can have a lasting legacy of that, yeah. that makes a real difference for people. Generally, we see, I'm sure you are the same, that working from home is the most frequently requested workplace adjustment. Then that's got to be a good thing. And you're so right about the setup and IT. I remember probably, oh, let's say six months ago when I turned on my computer and this little Microsoft Teams thing appeared and I I just waited for it to load and then I closed it (laughs) and then I got on with my day and now I spend my life on it. And of course, other uh, online platforms are available. So we are working yeah. so differently in a way we none of us could have imagined. And I think yeah. the fact that you are continuing to innovate and improve and just really focus on getting it right and embedding what works for both customers yeah. and colleagues is, is hugely, hugely positive. And I think the reality is, Diane, none of us know what the future looks like, do we? We're, you know, we're, we're staring into the unknown in these unprecedented times. So continuing to talk to each other learn off each other, work out best practice. And when other people have got it right, terrific. This is not, you know, this is not competitive advantage. This is about all hanging in there together and trying to do the right thing for as as many people as we can. This is a societal challenge that we need to work together on. We certainly do. I think we're probably just about out of time, which is a terrible shame because I could go on chatting for you, to you for ages, David. But thank you so much, David Oldfield, for being my guest today. It's fantastic hearing your personal um, passion and commitment to this and also hearing all the fantastic things that, that Lloyd's is doing. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed today's podcast, head over to businessdisabilityforum.org.uk to find out more about our resources and services. And why not give us a comment or rating on iTunes or just tell a colleague or friend about us. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Acast or Spotify. Look for Business Disability Forum podcasts and subscribe and you'll never miss an episode. <laughs>